Okay, as we uh, go ahead and uh, get started with the offering, I'm going to uh, do a couple things here at the same time. I, I, I do, I said earlier, I wanted to take a minute and thank some people for all they've done. Uh, I, I mentioned the staff earlier, but uh, our team has really gone above and beyond. Uh, I, I will forever have a mental image of Michelle uh, with a can of ant poison in her hand, <laughs> going chair to chair uh, on a seek, seek and destroy mission uh, with ants. And, and we just, the, the team has been amazing. Uh, when I say Bob Patterson, Pastor Bob, a lot of you don't even know Pastor Bob. He's primarily connected to the temple service. But when I say he has lived here on the property, I'm not kidding. That RV down there is where he, he's living right now because we had to have someone here to manage construction and to be available. He slept here last night. He was responsible for keeping the ants away. He dropped the ball there. <laughs> but, uh, Bob, we love you. Larry Knight, I, I just, it's really important for me to say a couple of things. Uh, Larry's been our building superintendent. He is moving, I'll tell you more about that in a couple of weeks, into more of a pastoral role. And Larry, I, I just love you. I, I hope you'll never, ever, ever, ever look back at this moment and not realize how much I appreciate and love you for the extra mile. He just does it. He, he doesn't, he doesn't get any... I, uh, Pastor Jay, the, the team you put together, uh, the welcome home thing that we came up with and, and the team that was out there front. Students, if you're one of the students that stood out there in that sun with a sign and went berserk so we could feel good when we came here today, if you're one of those students, would you stand up and would you thank them, please? Eric, Eric Henry's been running. He's former chair of, of our trustees. Just uh, living here, helping coordinate volunteer work days. Eric, thank you. His uh, sweet wife, uh, Brenda, is, you know, coordinates our nursery. They're inside in temporary situation there. Uh, that we, we decided not to uh, do the deconstruction there until after today. Uh, also, uh, Carolyn... Uh, I know that the ones I'm mentioning now, Kathy, uh, my sweet wife, and, and, and Carolyn, wow, you guys are, with our kids, this is going to be an amazing and exciting place for kids' ministry in, in years to come. We have a great tradition. Uh, you know, I, this is somebody you don't know. Uh, most of you don't know Roxanne Gorham, but Roxanne works quietly in a little three-by-three three sweat box and, and her office. And, and literally keeps our records and, and handles so much, you know, under Pastor Bob's direction. But still, she manages so much of our resources. And this last week was her, had a week off vacation. And uh, I stopped counting at four times that I knew that she had come in on her vacation. Uh, our, our team has just been amazing. The, the staff... Uh, I, I cannot tell you enough. Pastor Randy just lived, you know, spent so much time get, getting so much of the layout ready to go here. And, you know, I know I'm missing Pastor Brian Vaudrin and, you know, golly, these guys just all stepped up, filled in, 
and took care of stuff. So I, I just wanted to start by saying thank you. And then uh, a little bit later, uh, deacons, trustees, I'm going to need you. Uh, they are the quiet behind the scenes people who do so much without virtually, a, without pay, without any recognition. And uh, I'm going to need you a little bit later in the service. We're going to do something to kind of symbolize our unity today. But if you're a, you serve as a deacon, and what a deacon means, the word, if you're not familiar with that, just means servant. Uh, our, our deacons go out and they serve. They serve as communion. Uh, they go into the homes of our churches and take care of our shut-ins, uh, those who are homebound. Our trustees help manage the resources. But if you're a deacon or a trustee, would you stand, church, thank them. Would you just thank them for their amazing spirit? Come on, stand up. Again, you can be seated, but virtually without any, any recognition. I mean, even now, a pat on the back, come on. Uh, I, I think at the end of the day, God knows. And then there's, there's so many of you here right now that have given to Believe Land. We didn't have a project. We didn't have a place. We didn't have a building. We had nothing but an idea, a vision. Of, of what we were going to trust God for. And today we are standing on the soil of that place that we dreamed about. And so I want to tell you, welcome home, okay? Welcome home. God, God has answered our prayers. And you're in the first service on the new property. And, and uh, I, am, I am really locked in on my time here uh, because I, I want to... I want us to hear from God. I, I, I don't want you all to die in the heat. I do want you to experience something, uh, but not that. But thank you for being here. Thank you for believing that God could do abundantly above and beyond what we imagined. Uh, we, we wrapped up uh, a series of... Uh, called Bold Crossings, and I, I said we were done with the book of, of Joshua, but really, I came to the final chapter of the book of Joshua, and I came across an idea, and I really believe, I don't say this often, I think God put it on my heart. I think there's something here for every one of us, and uh, I, I think there's a message that Joshua, shortly before his leadership period in time was done. He wanted to leave a, a legacy message, a, an idea of what was coming now that they were in the promised land. And as I read what he had to say, I thought, oh my goodness, this is crazy. Uh, this is exactly the same message we need to hear. It applies to us in, in almost ways I couldn't have imagined. And so as I'm reading God's word and it's jumping out at me that the same thing Joshua told the children of Israel after they crossed the Jordan, their bold crossing, that amazing leap of faith they took. Joshua said, now let, we're here, but don't blow it. Here, here's some things I want you to remember forever and forever and forever. And it's recorded in God's word. So it is recorded for us. And, and so I think these things apply to us as a church family. I believe we've experienced a bold crossing. For three years, we've prayed. Uh, the, the journey of our building, selling, was a roller coaster ride. It, it was something that tried our faith. And there were times when I, I began to wonder, is it going to happen? 
And yet we came right up to that raging river, that, that impossible task of, of selling uh, an 80-year-old building that needed so much repair and needed so much tender, loving care. And, and God brought the people who were supposed to be there. He brought them to us at just the right time. And I am so grateful that the word church came uh, into our lives as a church family. And they are our sister church. And we are blessed to call them friends. And they are gracious to us now in that they have allowed us to continue to worship there as we prepare to come to our new home. But what I have learned about this issue of a home, both from scripture and then from my personal experience, is really the beginning for this message today. Because when I say welcome home, I want to be clear as to what I'm talking about. Because if we don't have clarity here, we will be prone to making some mistakes that can head us down a road that can cause us problems that really will take away from the very purpose of our coming here, the mission of putting all our resources all our time, all our energy, all our focus into people and not into brick and mortar and buildings. And so when I say welcome home, I'm talking about a gathering moment. Because you've heard the saying, home is where what? The heart is. And if our heart as a church community is in people, loving people, love God. Where does it go from there? Love God. Love people. And that's how you change the world. Love God, love people. And by loving God, that's where it begins. We, we, we are filled with a concern for the hurts and needs of other people. We live in a world just virtually drowning in hurt and pain and sorrow. And, and so, so here we are now talking about welcome home. And what I mean by that, home is more of an idea than it is a place. Uh, when Kathy and I got married, uh, we were in Bible college. I was 20. Uh, she was 18. We got married the summer uh, after her freshman year, after my sophomore year. And uh, when we went to, back to school to finish school, we moved into what we called our first home. Well, we, we had only seen it one time. It was in the summer. School was not going on. And, and it was, you know, it was what we could afford. So we how many of you remember your first apartment? Would you wave at me? Okay. We, we moved in not realizing that next door to us was the largest sorority house <laughs> for SMSU, Southwest Missouri State University. And the first weekend we were in there, it was about this time of year, uh, I virtually believe every co-ed on that university campus paraded through our front yard that night. Most of them left vomitous deposits. It, I've never seen that much before in my life. And, and I, I remember Kathy and I talking about our first home. It was the morning after. And neither one of us slept a wink. And, and being a little satirical at, at times, I said, well, honey, welcome to your new home. Okay? And we, we only stayed there a few months because literally every weekend it was like that. And, and our next... But you know what? We, we lived there but that wasn't our home, okay? It was a place. It was only home while we were there. But we left that place with no regret. We went to our next little place. It was a one-room efficiency. It did not have a bedroom. Uh, 
we literally ate and slept in the same room. Uh, the bed came out of the wall. Uh, how many ever had an efficiency apartment where the bed comes out of the wall? Ah, a couple of us. And, and on, the, on the other side of the wall was another one-room efficiency. Fortunately, someone lived there we knew. We were friends. And they were newlyweds and we were newlyweds. And some genius architect thought it would be a great idea to have both beds come out of the same wall. <laughs> Our heads were literally six inches apart with a wall in between us. Again, keeping in mind, we were newlyweds, okay? <laughs> Can we leave it at that? We, we worked out a schedule. That's I'll just leave it at that. Some of you are never going to get past that. I know you're not. Uh, we, we had great moments in that one-room efficiency. It was our early days of our marriage. And when we came into that space, it was our home because we were there and everything that for us as new young marrieds and beginning a, a home together, no children, but the idea of home was this idea that had with it so much warmth and, and it became a very special place and some of our greatest memories come from that crazy one-room efficiency apartment. But the truth is, it wasn't our home. We went from there, we moved on up, we, we found an actual house with two bedrooms. Uh, we couldn't figure it out. It had been actually for rent for a couple of months, and, and nobody had gotten it. So we, we finally moved in. And the first night there, we, we saw uh, a couple of mice. And how many ever lived in a place that had mice? Okay. This house would effectually become known as the mouse house. Uh, I, I could afford four mouse traps, uh, a package of four. I set them all before we went to bed. Before we had warmed up the sheets, all four traps had sprung and caught mice. So I thought, wow, this is working. So I got up, emptied them, reset them, and before we fell asleep, all four went off again. This went on for weeks. I'll leave it at that, but eventually we won the battle. But I'm here to tell you that our memories of that place you know, when we look back, are not of the mice. It is really of what Kathy and I experienced in our marriage as newlyweds and growing together in our love for each other. Because that, that, that place, that two-bedroom house was never our home. And so when I say welcome home, I'm talking about an idea. Because a home is not a home until the family comes into that place. Would you not agree with me? Until the family gathers together, takes nourishment, breaks bread together, gets rest, you know, finds rest in that place of safety and security. And so when I say welcome home, I'm saying welcome to this place where in the future I believe we will get nourishment from God. Where we will worship him and grow stronger together. It will not be our home because of the brick and mortar and the buildings. Those things will come and go. Buildings, all buildings at one time end up in rubble. What makes a home a home is the family that gathers there and meets there. And so again, I say, welcome home. 
We're at that place where we will encourage one another, where we love one another as family, where we'll be fed together and worship God. And then most importantly of all, it'll be the place that we launch out from. Because I, there was a family saying as I grew up as a kid, as you left the house, mom or dad would always say now, as you're out there, always remember your family, your Holland. Don't forget that. And that was not because our family was wealthy. It was because there was a pride in the name of our family that we would do the right thing. We would tell the truth. We would be honorable in our dealings with others. Those were the things that were preached. I was talking to Fred Vaudrey, one of our ordained deacons earlier. And, and, and you know, he jumped up when I, I walked over there to greet him. And I said, Fred, you just can't help it, can you? I said, the manners, you had the same mom I did. You, you virtually were taught. When you exchange a greeting with someone, you stand up. And so those things, those manners, and, and I hope in, in our family we will develop certain manners toward one another. And those manners begin with loving one another, caring for one another, bearing one another's burdens and praying for one another. And so I say welcome home, not to a place, not, not so much to the geography of Killian Road, but to the idea of where we are now going to have a chance to make church a place, a community place where the idea of the mission gets front and center, gets all of our attention and all of our resources. And so from Joshua's last talk, he gave him three thoughts. I'm going to give them to you. They're very quick. And it will wrap up what's on my heart today that I hope you'll walk out of here going, are you kidding me? How could what Joshua said all those years ago be so incredibly applicable to us today? You're going to be amazed when you see this. Number one, I've got these notes. Uh, Lauren, I don't know how she did it. Got everything, songs, music, words, uh, our, our graphics and my notes on the front. So if you want to follow along, if you have a Bible, you can look them up. Uh, if not, th th those verses are there in your notes. So grab them. If you, if you don't have one, look on with somebody else. How many have one of these? Would you kind of wave it for me? Okay, very good. Look on with somebody. I think we ran out of them today. Our Believeland home is a gift from God. Now, I know every breath we take is a gift from God. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I get that. But what I'm talking about today is this, this place that we are meeting, this, this place where our family comes, where home happens. It has been a gift that God has given us, just as the promised land was a gift that God gave Israel. Here's what the scripture says, Joshua 24, 13, last chapter in the book of Joshua. I gave you land you had not worked on, and I gave you towns you did not build. The towns where you are now living, I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. I, I read this as I was just doing my own personal devotions, going through the rest of the book of Joshua, and I said, oh my goodness, that's exactly what God did for us. Did you see this? The promised land that God gave to Israel was a place that had buildings they did not build. What happened, this, this experience for us, I couldn't have imagined it. I really, I was not ready for this when we started. I imagined buying uh, some dirt, some property, and building a building from the ground up. But God had prepared this all along for us. It's a building that someone else built that we get to use. There it is. It's as plain as could be. Our believe land is very much the same thing. 
God has given us a home. We did not build it. That's the first lesson. Now, because of that, here's, here's what we need to take away. Our Believeland home should be a place of reverence and service. Now, I know the word reverence. You're thinking, well, what does that mean? Do we shave our heads, wear white robes, and kind of, you know, walk around in a sober kind of state of mind and not ever laugh? I, I don't think that's what it's talking about. I think it's talking about an attitude toward, a reverent attitude toward. Because God gave us this special place, we can never forget that it was a gift from him. Again, it'll be a place where we're fed spiritually. It'll be a place where we find rest from the stress of the world. It becomes a launching point and place for life-changing ministry. So because what God has done for us in giving this, this place, we can never lose this attitude of reverence. In fact, let's, let's look at the verse. The next verse, we're in Joshua chapter 24. Uh, we read verse 13, verse 14. First part of that verse says, So fear the Lord, and serve him wholeheartedly. Joshua 24, first part of verse 14. We can never forget what God has done for us. We, we must have reverence, a sense of respect, reverence, fear, and acknowledgement that what God has done, he gets the credit for this. You know, we, we live in a time when there's, a, there's almost a, a need we have in the context of what we see, touch, and taste, and feel. We want to look at leaders that become our heroes. But what I hope I, you hear me say today is this, and this is not devaluing anyone else, but, but I, I want to tell you from my heart to yours, Ed Holland is a man no different than any other man here. When I'm gone, don't ever look back at this moment and put my name in what God did, because God did it all and gets all the credit. Okay? Please, please hear me say that. I, when I first came years ago, somebody said, how do you like your desk there in that office? That's a nice big office, nice big desk, nice comfy chair. And I said, it's not my office, it's not my desk, and it's not my chair. In fact, these clothes are not even my clothes. Three weeks after I'm gone, we'll hand them out in helping hands and somebody else will be wearing them. Three weeks after I'm gone, someone's backside will be sitting in that same chair. It will not be my chair. You, you get what I'm saying? We are nothing but stewards and everything's on loan from God. And so recognize that. Never, ever, ever lose this fact that what God has given us has come from him and we cannot take any of the credit for it. And so we're supposed to be wholehearted in our reverence, respect, and service to him for what he has done. We can never forget what God has done here. Number three, here it is, last thought. Our Believeland home is a place of constant choices. So Joshua's got everybody together and he says, here's my last message. And he says, I, I want to tell you, you're living somewhere where you, you didn't build the place, but God gave it to you. And because of that, man, you better reverence, respect, and fear God from this day forward. You better be thankful, and you better be willing to serve him because he has given you so much. So number three, he closes by giving them, I think, one of the most important lessons that we can take away from this today. And this is what I hope and pray you'll get a hold of in a tangible way 
today. Just because we trusted God today does not ensure we will trust him tomorrow. The next verse, I want you to see this. It's a familiar verse for many of you from Joshua 24, verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors who served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. The old King James English says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said, I can't speak for everybody here. But here's the last thing I want to leave you. He said, on behalf of me and my family, family, he says, I want to declare to you that we are choosing the Lord. And I want to leave this thought with you today because choosing God is not a one-time thing. It is a one-time thing in the context of our salvation that we choose to accept his gift of salvation. But hear me when I say this. The Apostle Paul put it this way when he said, I get up every day and I die to myself. I die daily. Choosing God is a daily choice. Choosing to read your Bible every day, a daily choice. Choosing to pray every day, a daily choice. And choosing to do what Joshua has just challenged the people to do, which is, hey, remember how you got this. Don't ever get to thinking you've done something that is of your own doing. And so remember and be reverent about that. Be grateful. Be, be respectful of that. And, and never, never, ever back away from service. So you're here today. I, I kind of feel like you just being here, your presence, I, I think tells me that you bought into the idea of a home, a place, not a building, not a location, but the idea of a church community that it doesn't matter if it's under a tent or in a building that seats 500 or 5,000 because the church has done pretty well throughout its history and it has met in everything from caves to cathedrals. And, and when God gives us what he has given us, it is our place to reaffirm every day that it's his and it doesn't belong to us and we got nothing to thump our chest about. It's his and so today, I, I want to encourage you to make the choice to choose daily. Could you get up every day and say, God, I choose you today? Maybe nobody's ever encouraged you to do that before. Just like Paul said, I die daily. I die to myself. I die to my lusts. I die to my pride. I die to my anger. So today we begin a journey of choosing. Many of you remember three years ago, uh, when we began, we, we didn't have a piece of property. And so we came up with the idea of putting some soil into some bags. Uh, how many of you found one of those bags on your chair when you came? Would you wave at me here? Would you hold that bag up? If, if you have one of these bags. Now, how many of you did not receive one of these? There was not one on your chair. Okay, I'm going to ask you to make a friend real quick, quick, with, with, with a dirt bag. I mean, the person sitting, <laughs> with the person sitting next to you or around you, okay? You with me here? We're having fun today. Now, here, come on back in here because here it is. This is how we're going to close the service today. We, honestly, when we started this, home was an idea, Right? Home 
is where the heart is. Our heart was in telling people about Jesus. And, you know, we are so now beyond the place where I had to spend more time promoting, raising money for broken windows and new roofs and parking lots and those things. Yes, we'll have to take care of this. But we will start out from the beginning with a budgetary plan that allows us to do this without having to beg to take care of it. And the majority of our resources will go into people and mission and ministry. And so when we started, we said, we don't have a place. You know, I, I'm supposed to be a little bit of a, you know, I hate to use the word expert, but someone who studied stewardship a great deal. And when people who know a lot about stewardship talk about an idea of a building in the future, they always say the same thing. You've got to have a place. You've got to have land. You've got to have something to point people at. And if you don't have a place to point people at, then, then there's, there's nothing you can do. People's vision will be kind of foggy. So we put this in a bag. And, and what we said, some of you are going to remember this. We said the day would come where this soil that represents the soil that God was going to give us. Remember me telling you that? I said one day we're going to carry this soil over to the place that God gives us. And we're going to mix it in with the soil and the earth on that place that God gave us. And we're going to do that today. And so I'm going to ask you to stand if you would. Would you do that right now? I'm going to ask right now for our, our, uh, our worship team to come. And now listen real quick, quickly. Our, our team, our staff, I've talked about not everybody, but some of you earlier, uh, JL and Lauren, I've missed it. Dave, Dave Davenport back there working in the sun. And Bob Scavini, these guys have been tireless in their, in their effort. Nora, where, where have you? Sue Kuhn. And I want to get the rest of our team down front here. So if you're on the staff, you guys, come on, please. Come down front here. If you are one of our trustees, would you come right now? We referenced a little bit earlier. Please get down here. Our, our ordained deacons, move it on down here real quick. And our deacons. I hope you brought your dirt bag with you. Larry, don't go there, okay? Just don't even, don't touch that. Larry, would you do something for me? See that shovel right behind you? Would, would you and Bob Patterson stick that shovel down in the ground? Each of you put a foot on one side of that. Bob, reach up there, grab that shovel, and put a little weight on that, and dig a little bit of a hole. Okay. I, I want just a little hole. I don't want much, just a little hole. I'm not asking for much, just a little. That's good. That's perfect. Now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to worship, and this is going to be absolutely spiritual chaos. That's the only way I know how to describe what this is going to be. And sometimes spiritual chaos is a good thing. Uh, some of you could use a good spiritual chaotic moment in your life. But what we're going to do now is ask those of you who have a bag. You may want to share it with somebody, but make your way to the front here during this last worship moment and 
would you go ahead and do what we said we were going to do? The idea, the soil that represented what we prayed for was going to one day be put into the earth and the soil of the place God provided us. And so I'm going to ask you maybe, don't all start at the same time because we'll kind of merge down here and go crazy. But if you would not mind doing this one thing, let's make this the in aisle and that the out aisle. Okay, so if you're from over here, go around the back and come down this aisle and out that aisle. It's the only way we can make this work. And with that in mind, we are going to praise God because this is a glorious day. This is a day in which we want to thank him and praise him for all that he's done. So would you bow with me for prayer? Father, in Jesus' name, as we celebrate your amazing gift, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, if there's one person here who has not been born again, may this be the day when they call upon you and are saved. May they recognize that Jesus without you, they cannot save themselves. And may they this day be born again. Lord, for those who are your children, those who are your followers, those who are serving you, may we take these three lessons from Joshua and never forget them. And Lord, as we take these bags which represent the faith we put in you to trust you, we believed you that there would be a land, a place where we would one day be able to meet and carry the idea of home there. Lord, may you today take this simple act of unity by hundreds of us coming together, doing this together. May you be pleased today with our oneness, with our complete and total commitment to always give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. All God's people said, Amen. Let's worship. <laughs>